Okay, guys, here's what's, here's what's going on. Uh, I've preached in some warm weather before. I don't know that I will probably, by the time I'm finished, I doubt I will have been sweating this much uh, in a message in a long, long time. But you know what? God is good. He's faithful. And we are going to get after it today. Right? God's truth and his word prevails. Even in difficult times, even in hard times, God's word still remains true. It remains uh, faithful. And even as Patrick prayed uh, in our transition moment uh, between songs, his word does not come back void. He accomplishes the purposes for which it has been sent. Now, here's what I'm going to need today. This is a pretty chill service. I mean, look at me. I'm rocking. I'm in shorts. I almost wore pants today, but I was talked out of it. And I just would like to say thank you uh, to those of you who talked me out of that. Appreciate that. And if you voted on Instagram, this was the shirt of choice. All right. I mean, come on. Come on. Guys, go ahead and get, turn in your Bibles. And I want to ask you to be engaged in the message. And that means... In a sleepy, hot moment, it's like being at the beach, right? Like you're, it's exciting for the first ten minutes at the beach, and then, and then you kind of have that, you know, oh, like you look at the beach and there's that, like the heat waves that's making everything like hazy, right? I realize that's where we are. That's okay. Stay locked in with me here today as we get into the Bible. I believe God has a word for our church and for the church at large. Amen. Amen. All right, let's do this. Turn to Matthew chapter 16, verse 13 through 19. Uh, if, you, if you want the verses on your phone, uh, you can obviously turn there on version, or you can text HP info to 97,000, and we've got all the information uh, for service there for you. Here's what Jesus has to say. It says, when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say that I am? Who do people say the Son of Man is? And they said, some say John the Baptist, others Elijah, and others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. And he said to them, but who do you say that I am? Simon Peter replied, Jesus, you're the Christ. You're the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hasn't revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven heaven. And everybody said, Amen. Jesus declares in this moment what his church is built on. As much as I love to preach, a great church really ultimately isn't built on great preaching. Preaching is a part of it. As much as I love worship, great, a great church isn't built purely on the back of a worship team. It isn't built solely on the willingness to, for people to serve or be excited with signs, although those signs were amazing. Our sign team was killing it today. 
Jesus declares to Peter, he says, blessed are you, Peter. Peter's name means rock. And Jesus, we read this because in English, we don't understand all the play on words. But Jesus is, is using a, a play on words, he says, upon this rock. He's changing the name of Peter in this moment. He's talking about the declaration of truth of, uh, 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 in which Jesus' church is being built. Jesus looked at Peter and he said, who do you say that I am? And Peter says, you're the Christ. You're the Savior. You're the Son of the living God. And that right there is the foundation upon which all of God's church is built. And the gates of hell cannot and will not and will not ever overcome it. Jesus' church is built on the truth of who he is. And who is Jesus? Well, he's the Christ. He's the King. Jesus is King. And it bears being reminded of that truth today. Whether you are nervous about coronavirus, maybe uh, you're watching online because uh, you didn't feel comfortable coming, that's okay. Regardless of where you find yourself, Regardless of, of, of how you find yourself emotionally in these moments, scrolling through Facebook or, or, or bouncing, regardless of how you feel in this morning, Jesus is king, you guys. And it's easy if you're like me, there is a sickness at times that you can feel when all we do is consume, right, people's opinions or the news, or posts, or magazines, if anybody still reads magazines uh, anymore. What is a magazine? I don't even know. But you need to remind, you've got to be reminded today, in the midst of the sun beating down on us, July 12th, that Jesus Christ is king, and there's no one like him. Nobody. Now, my daughter, Caroline, she doesn't know I'm going to share this story today. She's got a little something that she's been doing at our house right now where you can say the most benign statement, like there's no more milk in the refrigerator. And she has something to say. She, she, she follows it up with a question of, but is it really, though? You say there's no more milk, but really, though? Uh, it's time for you to go to bed, but is it really, though? It's time for the show to be turned off. But is it really, though, Dad? Right? There's this subtle questioning, right, in terms of, but, but does that really apply to me? Does it really apply? And in America's church right now, and, and in Western Christianity, I believe prophetically, there is, a, there is a questioning that the Spirit of God is bringing to his church right now. We can declare out of our mouth that Jesus is king, but there is this question that begs to be answered, but is he really though? Is he really your king? And whether you're sitting under a tent, under an umbrella, whether you're standing, whether you've got the nice cool shade over here to the left, is, it's one thing to say that Jesus is king. It's another to say that Jesus is my king. Is Jesus your king? Who is this Jesus to you? You guys with me? 
Mark 8, 22 through 25. One of the most weird miracles in all of the Bible is right here. And it's, it happens right before Peter answers who Jesus is. It says that Jesus came to Bethsaida and some people brought a blind man and begged Jesus to touch him. And he took the blind man by the hand and he led him outside the village. And when he'd spit on the man's eyes and put his hands on him, Jesus asked, do you see anything? He looked up and said, I see people. They look like trees walking around. And once more, Jesus put his hands on the man's eyes. Then his eyes were opened. His sight was restored and he saw everything clearly. And Jesus sent him home saying, don't even go into the village. Why does Jesus do a partial miracle? You ever read this and wonder what Jesus is doing? Jesus, with a snap of a finger, can heal someone. Yet here he spits in somebody's eyes. That's awesome to begin with. And then the guy says, I, I don't, you know what? I, I, I see something, but it's a little blurry. It's like trees that are walking around. And then Jesus heals him fully, and they begin to walk. And then Pete, Jesus begins to ask, who do people say that I am? Jesus is amazing at giving real-life illustrations and then following it up with the explanation. And even though he doesn't clearly make the connection, I believe Jesus is addressing the blurriness that so many people have regarding who he is, and maybe that you have. Who is Jesus? Who do people say that I am? Well, some say John the Baptist. Some say Elijah. Some say this. Some say that. But who do you say that I am? And so what, what, was, what is a little bit blurry now becomes rigid. It becomes crystal. There's no way to avoid answering this question as it pertains to you. And so once again, here we find ourselves culturally speaking, it's beyond even just you and I answering. I believe that God's people, his church, we have an opportunity in this moment for God to bring clarity to who he is to his church and to what we are called to do and be. I want you to know something. This has been a long four and a half months, or I forget how many weeks it actually has been. I don't even know. Days blend into each other, right? Right? It's the longest summer break your kids will probably ever experience in their life. It's been long, but I also want you to know that there is a measure of gratitude that I have not at the virus, not at the pursuit of the church in areas of justice, culturally speaking. But I feel like God has been purging his church. There's been a, a pruning, a sharpening, and he's bringing mission clarity to the body of Christ right now. We partner with a church in Paris, and it's neat to talk to other churches on other sides of the planet that are literally experiencing the same thing that we are. And they have been praying for us and every week we pray for them and vice versa. Well, I got a message and they, you know, one of the pastors was literally saying, this is what we sense God saying to you as a church and as a Western church in the United States. Someone was praying and, and someone was talking and they posed this question. They said, how do you make a chess player great at chess? 
And the answer was that you remove the queen from the strategy. You remove the queen. If you know anything about chess, the queen is the dominant piece on the board. And the person that was praying said, we believe in this moment that God is reforming the church, refining the church to make the church great again at discipleship, great again at winning the lost, great again at serving the city. And one of the ways that this is happening is that the queen of the Western church has been removed for a time. The queen being Sunday morning service. We haven't been able to gather in typical fashion, in a typical building, with typical worship, with a typical Sunday morning, and all the things that go along with it. We haven't had it. And in America, Sunday mornings have oftentimes been the crutch for us. We lean on Sunday morning to do our Bible reading for us, to do our praying for us, to refuel our, our worship tank for us, for our pastor getting all the preaching for us. And God has removed the queen, so to speak, so that the church can learn to be strong again. So that the church can learn to hunger for God's presence more than they simply hunger for a great and dynamic and charismatic service. There is a hungering that's happening in God's church. The fact that you are sitting here willing to bake under the sun is worth it all. Come on, somebody. God is bringing a fresh fire and a fresh stirring to his church. Do not miss this moment. There is an opportunity in front of God's people and in front of God's house for you to really learn how to be strong, for you to learn how to get up and hunger to pray, for you to learn how to get up and get into the Bible and allow God's word to bring something fresh to you beyond what your pastor brings in a sermon. You have to learn how to do this. The body of Christ has to learn how to grow into maturity. And that's why two-thirds of the New Testament is Paul writing to the early church, begging them, encouraging them, challenging them, rebuking them to grow into deeper maturity. And that is what we have in front of us. Whether you are in college whether you are in a career, whether you are single, whether you are married, whether you got four kids, no kids, whether you are a dog lover or a cat lover, I'm praying for you, that latter one. God is drawing his people into a greater place of strength. And everybody said, amen. So here's what we're going to do. I believe that Jesus is providing some mission clarity for us. So let's, let's get it. Matthew 28, 18. Uh, yes, actually, thank you. Should I just pour it over my head? <laughs> ah, thank you. Matthew 28, Jesus, his last words to his disciples before he leaves this earth, he says, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, 
teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you, and surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. When we look at mission clarity for God's church and mission clarity for this church, you want to know what brings people together? Purpose. You know what brings people together? Having a common mission that they know they're engaged in, that they're a part of, that they're in together. This is what brings a team together. If you've ever played sports, you, you know when you're up against the rival, right? Or you've got the, the big game. You know what mission clarity is. We are here to win. Yes, that's right, competitive people. And you, you know all the, you know, we're just here for fun. No, we're not. We're here to win, right? <laughs> all right. Some of you don't appreciate that. That's okay. That's fine. When it comes to mission clarity for God's kingdom, Jesus lays it out. And he says, you need to go. And you need to make disciples. That's what the church is after. And full transparency, there have been plenty of times in my own leadership where what excites me more than anything else is a new program or a new thing that we're doing or or the worship team just crushed that song right or i got a new series and i'm ready to preach and all these things that are going on but at the end of the day if 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 the if the needle drifts from what the true win is which is making disciples of all the nations then we're missing the target we're missing what God is doing and how God would bring strength to his church. God is after you and I. By the power of the Spirit, the same Jesus Christ that, ra that was raised from the dead, by the, the Bible says that the Spirit lives inside of us. And that by that same power, you and I get to live this life. And that means the highest aim, the highest glory that I can give God in worship is to let my life be reproduced in somebody else. Making disciples is our highest aim. And for our church, I felt God just even reminding us that this is what we do. This is who we are. This is what we are after. <sighs> it's hot up here. I'm not going to lie to you. Should I get a mister right now? A little spray? I mean, you can come up here and let it rip a couple times if you want. I'm not going to fight you on it. Come on, Bex. Why, thank you. This child clearly had a ring pop because his lips are something else. Guys, go ahead and just give yourself. Go ahead. You know, sometimes you just need to spray it a little bit. I feel so refreshed. So here's what we've got. Three things, ladies and gents, and then I'm going to wind it on down for us. First of all, one of the wins from today is just us getting together and worshiping and having a moment. I've longed for this. I, I literally got emotional driving in because I've missed you, you all so much. I love what I do. I love pastoring. I love preaching and teaching. I love church life. I love this. I love it. 
But what I desire most is for you and I to become a multiplying church. A church that truly makes disciples. And so here's what God, I believe, is bringing with fresh recovery to his church right now. A passion for reaching the lost. I want you to hear this wherever you're sitting, whether you're watching online. Jesus Christ died for those who were broken and those who were sinners and those who were lost. And if you're within the sound of my voice and you're walking around in this park, you need to know something that Jesus Christ died for you. It doesn't matter how far away you are. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter how broken you are. There is always hope because Jesus Christ is the hope of the world. And far be it from us to keep it to ourselves. Far be it from us to not have passion to share who Jesus is and what Jesus has done with the world. Jesus left the 99 who were good and who were safe and he went after the one who was lost. And I believe that God is bringing a fresh stirring to his church, our church, for doing whatever it takes to reach those who do not know him. Let's go. That's exactly right. Number one, reaching the lost. Number two, growing in maturity. And I've already mentioned it. The wind of God is bringing strength to his church. Whether you're a teenager and you're sitting here and you're thinking, my God, another church service. I remember those days. I remember it. Whether you're sitting here and you've kind of just grown apathetic or there's just not a stirring in your heart. Here's what I'm telling you by the spirit of God for this church. That God is bringing fresh strength to you, but you have to be willing to let God move in your life. You've got to be willing to say yes to him, and it's going to make you uncomfortable. Anytime God gives you something new and gives you something fresh, oftentimes there is a letting go of something that you like and that you love. And I believe there is a letting go. The church is going to have to let go of some things. You know, when your pastor is encouraging you to pray, for a Christian to deem themselves a mature believer, there has to be an ability to talk to God. We've got to be the kind of people who are mature in prayer, who are mature in our willingness to go to him and ask him for bold prayers, scary prayers, dangerous prayers on behalf of our city and on behalf of our community. Chad Beach, the rescue, one more time. Come on. Here's the deal. And you got to hear this. As I'm walking around, literally, an outdoor service. We have to grow stronger. And that means we have to grow in maturity. 
And that means letting go of some things that we're comfortable with in order to step into some things that produce real strength. That means we're going to have to learn how to give. We're going to have to learn how to tithe, how to sacrifice, how to give more of our time and energy. We're going to have to learn how to pray. Some of you hide behind work to do the work of spiritual ministry. I want you to hear this. Because in order for us to grow into ministry and grow into strength, we're going to have to step out from things that we hide behind in order to keep us, that keep us from growing into the likeness of Jesus. Some of us hide behind family. Some of us hide behind work. Some of us hide behind being busy. It's time for us to stop hiding and let God grow us into the mature church that God has called us to be. Amen? Amen. Reaching the lost, growing in maturity, and lastly, church, mission clarity for us is serving our city. One of the things, some of you know Adam uh, here. Some of you don't. We've been going through the Purple Book together. He's become a great friend. I love reading the Bible with people. Well, when coronavirus hit, you know, we tried to go to Starbucks and we couldn't. It was closed. So we're literally walking around Starbucks right here on Wade Green, just around the property. You know, I don't even know how long it was or how far it was, but we... We just started, you know, we're going through the Purple Book, which is a little devotional book for us. And as we're walking, we see trash behind this Home Depot area, and it's a ton of it. And I began feeling stirred by God to just own my city in a different way. What does it look like for God's people to serve, not just on Sunday morning, not just with their wallets, but to serve those who are marginalized, to serve those who are poor, to serve those who are homeless, to serve literally just the city itself and organize some people to pick up some dadgum trash. Just because the church, just because our doors aren't open for gathering doesn't mean that the church is closed. God has called us to be ministers of the gospel, to make disciples, to grow in maturity, and to serve our city. And we don't have to have a Sunday service to make that happen. Do I want that? Yes. But do I have to have that to be fruitful? No. And so this has become a moment, church, for us to grow like never before. When this is all over, and by over, I don't mean that we're just going to go back to exactly how everything was, but when there's some semblance of gathering together on a regular basis, my hope is that you're coming out of this not weaker than when it started, but stronger, more full of faith, full of worship, full of expectation for what God can do and how he might use you, full of hunger for his presence, a desire to see your friends and neighbors and families come to know God, to build your life on the foundation of Jesus, that you would become stronger in this moment, not weaker. So this is my hope, and this is my prayer. As kids are rocking push pops or whatever those things are. What are, they? what are they? Ring pops. I did just bring it back with push pops though. Come on. 
blowing bubbles and having a good time, I can't help but sense the stirring power of God for his people right now. And even though you're hot, even though you're sweating, and I'm sweating, I believe that God would do a fresh work right now in our church. So here's what I want to ask you to do. I want you to stand to your feet for a minute. If you have a communion cup with you, you should have gotten it at the Welcome Center. Go ahead and pick that up. If you did not get communion, can somebody come with a pair of gloves or a basket with some communion? I'm seeing some people who need communion right now in this moment. Eric, are you taking care of that? That's why you're amazing. So Erica, will, will, if you need communion as you see her walking back, just raise your hand and she'll make sure that you get it. Here's what I want to do as we close service today. In this moment, I want you to be reminded with crystal clarity that Jesus is king and that Jesus has given a great and glorious mission to his church to reach the lost, to grow in maturity, and to serve our city. These are the things that we are building this church on. The truth of who Jesus is and what he has done. This is our foundation. And it produces in us a hunger to see others one to Jesus. A hunger to grow more like him and a desire to serve like Jesus did. And how did Jesus serve? He washed the disciples' feet. He gave his life away. And this is what marks us as a church. This is what defines us more than anything else. This is what defines us. Jesus Christ died for the sins of the world. He died for you and he died for me. And on the night before he was betrayed, he, he literally at Passover, he took the bread and he broke it and he looked at his disciples and he said, with clarity, when you take this moving forward, remember my broken body spilled for you, broken for you. Remember my blood spilled for you. Remember, remember, remember. In other words, be clear about this. This is what we build our life on, and it pours out in our hunger for these things, serving our city, growing in depth, and reaching the lost. Thank you. So here's what we do. Right now, I want you to take the bread. If you believe these things to be true, take the bread right now in remembrance of Jesus and what he's done for you. And now take the juice. Jesus, we thank you that you died for your church that you made your church strong and overcoming church. And Lord, we hunger for more of you in this moment. Your presence and your power. God, come move. Pour yourself out in your church right now, even while we're sitting here at this park. Lord, come and move. 
come in grace, come in strength, come in conviction. God, we love you and we worship you today. It's in your glorious name that we pray. Amen. Church, we are not divided in this moment. We are a united church, united on the foundation of who Jesus is and what Jesus has done. And in the coming weeks and in the coming months, what you are going to see is some very crystal clear moments for you to get involved and to get engaged, reaching people who don't look like you, serving in ways that you haven't served, and growing in ways that you haven't grown. Because this is the call of God on his church right now. Amen. Father, as we close, we thank you that you are moving in your church. God, all the, so many things that you did were outside. You were born outside. You died outside. You did miracles outside. You preached outside. You calmed the storm outside. Jesus, time and time and time again, you moved in power outside. Move again right now. God, move by the winds of your spirit right here at this park. Move. Move, oh God. Encourage us. Shape us and change us and make us new. We love you. We lift up your name today. Amen. 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 